was in the Sunday morning. I changed clothes three times this morning. I'm so glad. What a great day, huh, to be in God's house? I can't think of a better way to start a service than, than to have that symphony. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm so very thankful for that. If you're a guest today, we're honored that you joined us, and we hope that you've been made to feel welcome and feel at home. I've been doing a sermon series over the last three or four weeks where we've talked about four-letter words in the Bible that aren't spoken very frequently about. And I started the first week, and I said, how many of you in here feel holy? And those of you that were here, you remember I asked that question. I said, hey, if I were to ask you today, how many of you feel holy, would you raise your hand? Well, when I did it four weeks ago, they all looked at me like I was crazy, you know. And, and so, but that's a word that we don't talk about. But the word is in the Bible, and we're instructed to be holy. And we're made holy through Jesus. Praise be to God. Amen? Isn't that good? And then the second word that we talked about was fear. We don't, we don't uh, I mean, we talk about fear, but, but it's talking about fearing God and, and a reverence for God. And one of the first sermons I did was being more reverent for God. Not that we fear him in the sense of, you know, this fear that we reverence him. But we talked about that, and we, Danny even mentioned that there's 365 fear nights in the Bible. You know, how many know the Bible says that? Right? One for every day of the week, right, Danny? And so then last week, the other word we talked about was obey. We talked about it being obedient, how, how we don't talk about that so much in the church like we used to. Uh, but we're to be obedient as his children and as his disciples. Today, we've got two words left that we're going to study. And today is probably one of the harder ones. It's probably one of the harder words in the Bible. It's a word that's not talked about a lot in church like it was when I was a young person. And the word is hell. Um, when was the last time you heard a sermon where somebody talked about hell? I'd rather talk about heaven, a six-letter word. I would rather talk about heaven because heaven is more pleasant when we think about it, but the word hell is in the Bible. And so today we're going to look at both of those in contrast. And so before we do that, though, I'm going to ask you to join me as we ask God's blessing on this word. Father, we are so thankful for this day. We are so grateful, Lord, for what you've done today and how you've blessed our church. Thank you for those that are here, Lord, and thank you, God, for your, for your love for us because truly today the message is about love. It's meant to be loving, God. We don't have to worry about hell in this life. And so I pray, God, as we speak, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. And I pray, God, that, that, that your word goes out, and that when we leave here today, we can be encouraged to know that you love us and that you're going to take care of us. And we pray all this in the precious, holy name of Jesus. Everybody together said amen. Amen. There was a, uh, a survey done a few years ago uh, by a company called Team Research. They did this survey, and the survey came back with the results that 72% of Americans believe in heaven. 72% of Americans believe in heaven. It's interesting because that's a topic that we hear a lot about. We sing songs about it. We love to sing songs about heaven. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I like to talk about heaven because I got family members that I know don't believe in heaven. They go to hell. They're in the presence of Jesus. And, and that's a wonderful topic to talk about. I was cruising along in my car the other day. I got a car last year, and it had this serious radio. Not serious like I'm serious about it. Am I saying that right? No? They all know how technical I am. So I'm cruising through the channels, and I hear this song, and it comes on, and it says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but not me. Amen. Amen. And there's some truth in that, isn't there? We hear songs all the time about heaven and, and writing about heaven. But we'll continue this series. We're talking about the word hell as well. Did you know the same survey that they took, 58% of the people in America do not believe in hell? 
70 people say it preached, 58 said they didn't. You know, when I was a child, perhaps we didn't really talk about it so much, because when I was a child growing up in the Protestant church, man, I mean, they were reading revival preachers, and they would stand on the back floor, pick up the podiums, and I could, I could smell the fumes, you know what I mean? And so it kind of turns me off a little bit about Pentecostalism, because really, when you think about it, the love of God is when people think, feel, and act that way. But hell is a, is a reality, because the Bible talks about it. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about it. It talks both about heaven and hell. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus spoke in the New Testament, he talked about judgment. That's a lot. Thirteen percent of the verses in the New Testament, the words of Jesus that he spoke, talked about judgment. If Jesus talked about it, then it must be important. And it's important that we understand it. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 5, there's a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Which I mean, there's, there's a couple. And Jesus spoke, and he went up on a hillside, and he spoke. And the Bible says he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and he said, again, the judgment is not for those who stand on the hill. And then those two chapters, when he gets toward the end in chapter 7, here's what he says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few are found. And again in Matthew in chapter 10, it says, Don't be afraid of those who can kill your body, but cannot take your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body. You see, the point is that when Jesus spoke about this, he was using the word hell, but it had different meanings. And the people understood that at the time in the New Testament. When he used the word hell, one of the words was the word Gehenna. And in Jerusalem, outside of town on the south side, there was this deep ravine. And it's where they took the trash and they threw the garbage in this hole. Big valley. And they throw the trash out there and it burns all the time. It smoldered, it stunk, it was nasty. And he was referencing this. He was talking about something like that. It's taking up all the trash. And so we see that word. And the other word is, is Hades. It was a Greek word. And when he would speak these words, people knew what he was talking about. Because Hades was a reference to sin. Jesus talked more about this than anybody else in the New Testament. And I believe he talked about it because he wanted us to know it. And not keep that down. And not keep it in there. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that we can have a home in heaven. Six-letter word. That we can be eternally with him. And God waits patiently for us. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord isn't slow in his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for you. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Now, that word repent is an interesting word because I've told you before we talked about this. Repenting means you're going along like this and you, you do something and you say, and you feel, you know, really bad about that. And you don't feel bad just because you got caught. You feel bad because you have remorse and you recognize that God will forgive me and he asked me to repent of something. When we talk about heaven and hell, there's a couple things about this that are interesting. In the Bible, it references both places, and they are places. The Bible talks about both places. The, ta- the Bible mentions a place where Jesus went in chapter 14 of, of John. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I'll come again. And I'll come and take you back to me. When he goes to prepare, you know what that means? That means that he took some time. It wasn't something he just threw together and came back later. The Bible says that the walls are jasper, that the gates are pearl. Most of us are Jewish. 
He references both of these places as places, and he talks about the other place as well, the place of forgiveness. So when we talk about this, we hear, we hear these things, and it's troubling to us. But the problem is we have to accept Christ into our life and believe in God. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. That's the whole story of this. You and I have been created in God's image, and he deserves our praise and devotion. So what do you say about that? And for us to reject who he is is to reject who he made us to be and who we are because he created us in his image. And there are consequences for sin. The Bible says the wages of sin are death, but it doesn't stop there. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you see what I'm saying here? When he talks about these things, he doesn't leave us hanging out there. He says there's a gift, and it comes from, it comes from God it's because Jesus gave it to us. We have to accept it. If we reject him, we're placing our will and our wants above his. We're placing our desires. Here's the thing. Think about it. God created man, and he created Adam and Eve, right? He put them in the Garden of Eden. It's a beautiful story, man. When you read that story, it's amazing because here they are, and God's like, I want to walk in fellowship with you. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to hang out with you. I want to, I want to be there for you. And he says, here's the thing. There's a tree, there's a tree of knowledge over here. You've got to stay away from that. But everything else, we can talk and we'll fellowship. And then what happens? You guys know the story, right? And what did they do? They went over and they ate of the tree. And then God comes looking for them, and they're hiding. Where are you? And they're hiding, and they're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they know what they've done. They've broken the law. When you look at the book, the book of Genesis, and you read the story of Adam, I don't know about you, but I can see Kent in that story. Because I did just that. Matter of fact, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But just like Adam and Eve, God didn't leave them there. He didn't leave them stranded. That's why that cross means so much to us as people. When I see a cross, it blesses my heart. You know why? Because that cross represents love. And that cross represents forgiveness. And I, just like Adam, when I, when I made the mistake and tried to be like be my own God, you know, so to speak, because I was doing my will, he says, hey, talking to you is taking care of that. You know what I'm saying? And you know what I did? I said, well, you know, I said, well, guys, you see what I did? Right? I mean, who did Adam blame? Who did Eve blame? Everybody just keeps blaming everybody. And I'm glad we don't do that today. what human beings do, but thanks be to God that he extends his grace to us. And it doesn't have to be that way. Romans 3, verse 10 says this, no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 6, 23 says this, the wages of sin is death. You know what that's not? The gift of God. The gift of God is life. This week, this Sunday, I walked in, I was here this morning, a lady in the first service walked up to me came over here, and she reached down, and she said, here, I want to give you this. I didn't even know what was in there, but it was a gift. A gift is something that we give to somebody, and we don't expect anything in return. That's grace, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And when we see that and we recognize God's grace, it makes us want to be more like him. And when we want to talk about repent, it means like, you know what? Oh, yeah, I messed this up. I messed this up big time, but I repent. And then it just becomes, you know, I see him and I fight him and I repent and I move forward and I do the good thing. It's love. And we all have things that we've done that we think and the world says, oh, that's just so nice. Yeah, yeah. and there's a place called heaven that we have promised to us for eternity because of his grace. 
You see, the gospel message is necessary. The gospel message is necessary because just like a preacher said, if we've all sinned, you know, I've had people say to me, well, you know, but I, I, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this. But here's the thing, we're all human beings and we're in a fallen state. It's kind of like a preacher I heard when I was growing up said this. He said, you know what, it's kind of like a broken window. You throw a rock to it, it breaks the window. It doesn't matter whether you throw one or you throw a handful. Sin is sin, right? Hello. But grace repairs that. think about heaven, you think about what God's prepared for you, it's beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. You know, I got to tell you, when I put this sermon series together, it was, it was four months ago, and I wasn't happy about this. I went down the list, and I thought, oh, there's things I like. Holy, that's a cool one. Oh, fruit of your spirit, that's an awesome one. Oh, obedience, oh, that's really cool. Hell. I'm sure some of you are sitting there today going, well, Kent, you know, of all days for you to preach on hell, you know, I, I, I mean, I brought somebody with me, and I'm here today, and, and here you are, you know, listen to me, why am I preaching this? Here's the reason I preach this, because it's in the Bible, and I believe it's true. And 35, 40 years ago, when I went into ministry, you know what I said? God, I know you want me to preach. I know you want me to speak. You want me to preach and share the truth, and don't compromise. I won't compromise. It's a responsibility, I think, that we have. We, we talk about the good things of God. When John the Baptist came, he came preaching repentance. The gospel is a wonderful thing, and it's good news. And it's important that we share that. Dr. Henry Jowett addressed a conference in Yale University years ago. He said this, the very term good news implies that there's something called bad news. The very proclamation of salvation presupposes a state in loss. See what I'm saying? And he says this, Hell is a dark background on which the brilliant picture of the gospel is painted. That's the picture we need to have to see the gospel. And so it's important that we share the gospel because we, we can't have salvation unless it's saved us from hell. Does that make sense? When we talk about salvation, it's we're being saved from something. What are we being saved from? good news. And Jesus is the only one that lived an obedient life. He lived obedient, lived just like us, tempted in all manner like us, the Bible says, yet he was without sin. And because of him, we can have an inheritance in heaven. Jesus talked about these topics a lot. As I said earlier, I've had conversations with folks who said, well, you know, I, I don't know about this thing called hell. I, I don't know. It's symbolic to me. That's what they meant, symbolic. The theologian R.C. Sproul says this. He said, whenever we talk about symbols or images, we use a symbol to represent a reality. The reality exceeds in substance what the symbol conveys, meaning that the reality is much, much worse than what the symbol represents. See, I, I believe that Jesus spoke about it because, as I said, when he said, I will preach this sermon series. And thanks to Jesus, we don't have to go to a place it's about choice, not chance. Choice, not chance, will determine where we end up. And aren't you grateful for that today? That God says to you, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about me, but this means something. To me, this means something. 
God's grace has wiped that away. But thanks to God, they can. And he does. And you stand here today as a Christ follower. Are we perfect? Follow me for about 20 minutes. the beautiful thing of the gospel. And that's what it's about. And that's why we want to share it with other people. John 3.16 is a verse that we teach children in the Sunday school. We learned it. It says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then I love this part. It says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world. It breaks my heart sometimes when people talk about religion. And you know what I found is a lot of times when you dig a little deeper and people talk about a relationship, what they're talking about is religion. They're not talking about Jesus. They're turned off by the way that we present it sometimes. They're not turned off about the Jesus that's got the grace in his hand to extend it to them. And it's important that we do it in love. It's important that we do it in love. Thanks to Jesus, we don't have to go to a church to get it. God made you for a reason today. God created you for a purpose. Your life is to have meaning. And we discover that when we make God our love. It took me a while to get a handle on this, and I still mess it up every once in a while because, you know, what I found in our, in our world is that we want what we want, right? We want it how we want it. We want to, we want to call the shots, and we want to start with what I want, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and, man, I tell you, usually I wind up upside down in most of my life. But when we start from where God wants us, God, is this what you want in my life? Is this, is this the person that you want me to marry, God? Is this, is this, or is this, God, is this the house you want me to buy? God, is this the truck you want me to buy? Lord, is this the Harley you want me to buy? God, do you not want me to buy one of these things? Come on. I mean, that's human nature, isn't it? Well, yeah. Pastor Dominic, he'll tell you what I buy. Yeah, I'll take two of those. made for a purpose. And sometimes we get so tangled up in all this stuff that we can't even see our purpose. And God created us for that. It's kind of like an illustration that maybe we're going along, put yourself in this situation. You're going along and you see somebody that's, that's crazy wild and living just, you know, messed up and, and you want to help them. And so you reach out to them and say, hey, come with me. I'm going to help you. Come with me. I'm not going to charge you anything. Come with me. Come on, man. I'm going to take you right here. I'll take you in. You can have, you can have a place in my house. Call them whatever your last name is. They, you move them in with you. You take care of them. No obligation. No strings tied. Don't cost you anything. Come with me. Come with me, and I'll adopt you. You can be a part of my, my family. You can even use my name. But here's the thing. You're in my house, and we do have two rules. Is it reasonable to expect them to abide by your rules? person says to you, no, thank you. I'm not willing to give up my way of, of living and all this to come over and stay in your place. I'm choosing to continue whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. All up in here. Think about it. If you turn that down, that person turned that down to me, is it then my fault that they're not God gives us an eternal chance. He reaches out to us. He extends his love to us. Come as you are. 
I talk to people, and this cripples me. Like, I, I just wish there was some way you could get me across this. Just say, you know what? I got to get this, and I got to get that, and I got to get this in order, and I got to sort this out. And, 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 you know, we as Baptists, I love this because we sing just as I am. You ever sing, sing that? Come on. We sing just as I am. Let's go to the hymn. I can't get it up. I remember those days when I could. I know I don't look that old, but anyway. There was a man came to our church, and he had his hair down, and so it was the hippies, man. I mean, it was really a lot going on, and this guy came to our church, and he had that long hair, and and he he wanted Jesus in his heart, and he didn't understand what was going on, but he knew that something had moved in his life, and he went forward, and he prayed, and we're singing just as I am, and we didn't even get the car until I heard some of the older ladies in the church talk about, he needs to get a haircut, but we've been singing just as I am, amen, but isn't that the way we think? Isn't that the way we are? I'll straighten it out now. No, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. You give your heart to Jesus and let him do the straightening out. And it'll be right. It'll be right. Think about what Jesus said. He never condones sin. And he always, always, always asks for God's forgiveness. That's the good news. That's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate new things. That's why we shout and jump up and down that crazy sometimes, because you get excited about some more. It's reasonable to ask that we follow Jesus. He's done everything possible for you and I to go to heaven. Everything possible. He's already paid for it. That's the beautiful part of the gospel message. I think that Christianity is the only religion in the world who has a father who came to this earth, walked among men, thank God that we don't have to have certain things to get into this message, this gospel, to be able to accept this. We don't have to have, you can't buy it. Okay? You don't have to be a certain this, certain that, look this, look that, look. You just come to him and he will come alongside you. He can do too, doesn't it? But it's amazing that God loves you and he can extend his hand to you and say, come. Come just as you are. Come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We have a choice. We have a choice. And we see it throughout the Bible. And God has given us the commandment to do that. 1 John 5, 11 says this, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who is the Son has this life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son has not life. It's not my word. I don't agree with that. You, you can disagree with that. It's not my word. I'm reading what the Bible says. You see, that's why we have Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas, folks. That's why we get in here on Christmas Eve and we, we light it up with the candles and we sing it because we're celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. And this year, my prayer is that Christmas means more to you than it's ever meant to me. 
because I hope that maybe every day you recognize grace is more precious. And when you come into a church on Christmas Eve, you say, wow, God, you know what he's done? Look what he's done. That he was born that I could have life and that I could celebrate. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But it's also why we celebrate Easter. And that's what I, on Easter morning, I always say that Easter teaches. That's what I'm talking about. Because of the power of the resurrection and the fact that Jesus lived, the fact that he came back to life, and he ascended into heaven, and when he left, you know what he said? I'm going, but the Holy Spirit, I'll be back. Several years ago, me and Diane were at this lady's house after church, and she was about 90 years old, and, and we were talking, and, and, and she said, you know, I've been serving Jesus for 75 years. said, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it gets. Gets hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to her, I said, so what do you do when people say to you, well, he ain't come back yet. You've been serving him for 75 years. What do you do? And I'll never forget this. Many years ago, she sat there leaning up at me and she said, you say something, that just means I'm one day closer to what I'm saying to you. He's going to say it's enough. He's going to call the church home. You talk about a party. You ain't seen no music yet, right? Wow. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be old. It's not going to be this. It's not going to be that. It's going to be a new song like we've never heard. And we're all going to laugh. And we're going to stand in the presence of the Lord. We're going to worship him. something the other day on, on Facebook that said, you know, living a Christian, even if I'm wrong, I'm still the best one. I was able to, to get that kind of encouragement. Colossians 2 says, at one time you were separated from God, you were enemies in our minds, and the evil things you did were against God's will, but now God has made you his friend. He did this through Christ's death and body when he died on the cross, so that he might bring you into God's who are holy, blameless, and without mistrial in his sight in love. What that means is they have God's heart, and they're his, and you are saved under his holy protection. Can you imagine if I was calling this church my home? These little house names, Sean said, I'm calling this our home. Great people, great work, but take a bow. I'm going to preach to these people. The gospel, an old English word for good news. It's something that all believers should be sharing with others. I'm not talking about going out and hitting people over the head with a Bible and saying, you should have one. Having Bible studies with them and saying, you should have one. I'm talking about just loving on people. Just loving on people. As if ever there was a time in the church that they needed love and they could see that Jesus came here to make love and that Jesus is the way. And as Christians, that's our responsibility to share that love with others. I read about an atheist. Christian folks that won't share, that don't share the testimony, that won't share the fact that Jesus came. This is what an atheist says. I don't respect people who don't proselyte or witness. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, 
and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life. And you think, well, surely that means judgment. Would you say amen? How much do you hate me? who's going to heaven. Listen, I, I don't know who's going to heaven. I make that claim. I make that claim. God knows. Not my faith can get me to heaven. Okay? Hear that? I don't know who's going to heaven. What I'm saying is, it's God's faith that gets us to heaven. Our faith gets us to heaven. We come up short. Don't you know? And I don't mean that like this is just some silly idea. I'm not telling that to you because it's silly. I just mean that come to earth and love you believing that are they watching this are you kidding me you guys don't even know some of this stuff i love it when they're you know i'm on my bike and i'm thinking that's that pastor andy who's baptizing my son so forth and so on and i go you guys are world, the hope that we have.